and welcome to another edition of the Read More Podcast, the show that brings readers and writers together. I'm Marva Hinton. Last week, I sat down with Nicola Yoon at the Miami Book Fair. She's the author of the New York Times bestseller, Everything, Everything. Her latest book, The Sun is Also a Star, was published earlier this month and was a finalist for the National Book Award. You can find out how to win a free signed copy of The Sun is Also a Star on our website, readmorepodcast.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Nicola, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. The Sun is Also a Star is about two 17-year-olds who meet in New York City and fall in love in 12 hours. Daniel is a poet and Natasha loves science. His family is from South Korea and she is from Jamaica. When they meet, Natasha is super stressed because she's an undocumented immigrant and her family is facing deportation. Both of these characters are just so interesting and well-drawn. As a reader, you like them immediately. Whose voice came to you first? Natasha's voice came to me first because I'm Jamaican-American and Natasha is as well. So I had a good sense of the rhythm of her speech and the rhythm of her family speech. And that's usually how I come to stories anyways. I sort of hear voices in my head first. Um, So I probably knew Natasha the most. And then I'm married to someone who's of Korean descent. um, So I know a lot about that culture and that history as well. Um, I definitely knew I wanted the boy to be a poet and the girl to be a scientist. Um, And I knew I wanted them to be immigrant kids so I could explore that. Um, So Natasha came first and Danielle came second. Well, this novel really explores the whole idea of fate and how one small action can change your entire life. What is it about fate that intrigues you as a writer? Um, You know, it's not just fate. It's also just coincidence and and whether or not we pay attention to things. Um, So I think one of the things I really wanted to explore is we live in a big, busy world, right? And we have bills to pay and kids to feed and and life can get overwhelming but there are all these little moments that I wish we could pay attention to like a little thing that can affect you um, you know someone gives you a compliment and that can affect your whole day and lead you down different paths and I think that if we stopped and paid attention to each other and to the world we would a see that we're not that different um, and also that there are many, many things influencing us besides the things we know. Like we are affected by our, our own history, but we're affected by the history of our family, the history of our friends, the history of the stranger sitting next to you on the train affects your life. Um, and it's too bad we can't see it all the time because it, I think it would actually make us closer. Well, throughout the novel, we go back and forth from Daniel's perspective to Natasha's perspective, but we also get these third-person accounts from their parents and even from very minor characters. Why did you decide to structure the book that way? Right, so it goes back again to us being affected by the histories of strangers. You know, I'm a science nerd, and I'm obsessed with Carl Sagan. I actually got to see him lecture when I was in college. Um, And one of my favorite quotes of his is that if you want to create an apple pie from scratch, you must first invent the whole wide world, essentially is what he says. Um, And I really wanted to show that. I wanted to show that in order for Natasha and Daniel to fall in love, 
All these other things have to happen. And so interspersed between the chapters of Natasha and Daniel, you get the points of view of strangers who are affecting their lives that day. So there's a conductor who has a meltdown on a train. And the reason Daniel gets to meet Natasha is because the conductor has the meltdown. And so we get to see a little bit about why the conductor had the meltdown. So I really wanted to show how everything is intertwined. And in order to make the apple pie, right, you have to invent all this other stuff too. So in order for them to fall in love, all these other things had to happen. And I wanted to explore the other things that had to happen. Most of the chapters in this novel are very short, and that makes it feel like things are moving really fast, which, of course, they are, because Daniel and Natasha only have 12 hours. Was that why you went with the short chapters to affect the pacing? Um, well, I mean, as a writer, I really love reading books with short chapters. I, I really love it if you can make things dense and meaningful. That's Just as a reader, that's like the most fun for me. And I also read a lot of poetry, and, and the poets tend to be able to do that, right? Get a lot of meaning into really short spaces. Um, so as a reader, I love it. As a writer, I find it a challenge. Um, it's fun for me to, re- to be propelled forward. So in a practical way, yes, um, it's a you know, a craft thing. So let's go fast. Let's get as much meaning as possible into it. Um, And it also lends itself to this story, right? I mean, it's 12 hours. They got to go, 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 because she is being deported. Since Natasha is so into science, we learn a lot about that here. There is a chapter on the evolution of eyes, for example. Um, And as you said, that is science is an interest of yours as well. Did you have to do a lot of research to write this or were these things you were already thinking about? Right. So, I mean, I definitely did do research, but I am a science geek. So I knew that I wanted to talk about some things like I I knew the stuff about eyes already. Um, I had to have a refresher. So like to get all the details down. Um, But part of what the book's about is this idea of science being opposed to art. You know, we always say that we're left-brained or right-brained or you're good at math versus being good at English. And I think that dichotomy is not actually true. It's like th- it's false. I, th- I think that most people are reasonably good at both of those things. Um, but we tell each other from like middle school on that, hey, you're good at this or you're good at that. Um, and I feel like it gives you sort of half view of the world instead of a more full one. Like science and art are both trying to understand the world, right? It's just the approach that's different. And if you can look at the world from both points of view, I think you get a more complete and holistic view of the world. Well, in addition to all of the science that you have in the novel, there are also chapters that explain the history behind various things. So we learn about why black beauty supply stores are primarily owned by Koreans. Why did you want to include these histories? So, yeah, I think one of the things I wanted to say again is that, you know, we think we're so different, right? Like we think, like I'm married to a Korean-American, and one of the questions we get a lot is, how did you guys meet? And it's asked with a kind of earnestness because I think, I guess, we seem so unlikely. Um, But the truth is I have more in common with my husband than I have ever had with anyone in my whole life, right? And we're not unlikely at all. We're basically the same. Um, and I think one of the things I wanted to say was that we everything seems so different, right? But there's a connection there, right? I mean, Korean Americans and black African Americans live in separate parts of the city in, in lots of major cities, right? I mean, cities are segregated in, in, in these ways. Um, but there's so much history between the cultures. There's so much commonality. And you just have to look. 
Um, so that was one of the reasons, like, I just wanted to show that connection. Um, that's it's plain to see if you're paying attention. As you said, you are Jamaican-American, and you're married to a man who's Korean-American. I read a reviewer who said that you used your relationship as inspiration for this novel. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, it's not so. It's not autobiographical at all. Like, there, we did not meet um, in New York City and only have 12 hours because my family was being deported. <laughs> so it's totally made up. But, I mean, I think the spirit of the relationship in the book is based on... Um, Mind with my husband, like we're both quite philosophical and we talk about the meaning of life and science versus art and what's our place in the world all the time. Um, and Natasha and Daniel in the book do do a lot of talking about these things, you know, the existence of God or non-existence or, you know, what do you think God is? So in that way, we are, the book, it, the spirit of our relationship is in the book. Um, and then practical things, like I eat a lot of Jamaican food and I eat a lot of Korean food. So that's in the book. Um, yeah, that's it. Both Natasha and Daniel have some issues with their parents, which, you know, it's pretty common when you're dealing with teenagers. We see Natasha's father disappoint her and her mom time and again. And Daniel's parents put a lot of pressure on him to have the future that they want for him. His dad also has some racist ideas, but you still don't demonize the parents here in this novel. I mean, it would be easy to sort of make them the bad guys in this story. Why did you decide not to go that route? Um, Because I think everyone is flawed, right? I mean, and I think it's hard for teenagers to see their parents as people, but they are people, and they did have hopes and dreams. They were 17 and they were 20. They did, you know, have careers that they loved or hated or um, things that they wanted and didn't get. So I, I really wanted to explore the parents as being people with wants and desires as much as the teenagers have. And parents love their kids, but they make mistakes all the time, right? And most times they make those mistakes in service of their children. They think that they're doing the right thing. Um, they think that they're protecting them, but they're not. I mean, not because they're bad people, just because they're making mistakes. Um, so I really didn't want to, they're not evil, they're not demons, they're doing these things. So yeah, Daniel's dad um, is trying to protect Daniel from poverty. He suffered through terrible poverty in his life. So, you know, he, he's sort of smashing Daniel's dreams, but he thinks he's doing the best thing for him. So it's hard to see that as evil. It's complicated. Life is complicated. <laughs> Uh, well, I'd like to just switch gears now and ask you a couple of questions about your reading life and you know how that's influenced you as a writer. Uh, what was the first thing that you read that just really resonated with you and stayed with you? Um, I think my, my favorite book, or one of my favorite books, remains The Little Prince, um, which I read when I was really young. Um, and I just remember that you could be in different worlds, and that was incredible, and he just saw the world through so many eyes. And it's a book that I've reread over the years, and the meaning always changes. Um, so that's one of my favorites. In terms of seeing myself, I think um, Toni Morrison in The Bluest Eye was one of the first things that really had a a big impact on me, A, because there were black girls, and B, because the writing was so incredibly beautiful. Um, and now I read two books a week, at least, so I read an insane amount. Um, I don't watch TV because I'm reading, and I play video games, so I don't watch TV. So that's, that's um, yeah, my reading life is quite full. <laughs> 
Um, and I think it helps me be a writer. And I honestly, I'm a writer because I'm such a big reader. Well, what if you were in a situation where you were, I guess you were being punished since you, you know, you said you're reading two books a week, mm-hmm. where you could only read three books that you have already oh. read. <laughs> now, you can read these three, though, as much as you want, you know, mm-hmm. for the rest of your life, but you can't read anything new. Which three books would you choose? I want you to know that this is a terrible question. <laughs> it's impossible. And oh my God. However, since you're asking, um, I guess The Little Prince, um, The Bluest Eye. Oh my God, you're killing me. That's the third one. I don't know. Can I just choose a Norton anthology of poetry like the whole book? So I'll just read that. <laughs> and on the flip side of that, do you have a book that, even as someone who reads so much, you have struggled to be able to get through, or maybe you did get through it, but at the end, your reaction was very different from critics or other readers? Yes, Lord of the Flies. Oh my God, this book. <laughs> it is so depressing and hopeless, and it's like a sign reading for all high school, and I, I think it's a terrible... I mean, not the book, is the, the book is very well crafted and all that stuff but the message is a disaster. <laughs> well, are you already working on a new book? I know you, you had, this book just came out, right. uh, but uh, is there something already that you're uh, working on? Yes, I am working on my next book, and I really am not allowed to say anything about it except for I'm working on it. <laughs> well, you know, that reminded me of something. Uh, your first book, Everything, Everything, is being made into a movie. And I was just wondering you know, what you thought about that, because in some ways it seems like it would be flattering and very exciting, but then in another way it might be a little scary to hand your story off to someone else. So what was your reaction to that? Um, so, I mean, I was thrilled when I found out, and then, you know, you do have some trepidation. Fortunately, I did get to give input, so, like, I got to give notes on the script. Um the director is incredible, and we had this sort of Vulcan mind meld when we met. So after I met her, I, I was fine because she's just awesome sauce, and she had the same ideas that I did. Um, and then I got to visit the set, um, and filming is actually complete, and we have a date, a release date. And I haven't seen it yet, but I trust MGM, and especially Stella Maggie, who's the director, just completely. Um, so I expect it's going to be awesome. Well, what are you reading these days? You said you're reading two books a week. Tell me, what have you been reading? Um, So right now I'm reading The Sellout by Paul Betty that just won the Man Booker Prize. Um, And I have picked up and not read yet Another Brooklyn by Jackie Woodson because, oh my God, Jackie Woodson. Um, What have I read recently that I've loved? I read Furthermore by Tahara Mafi, which is a middle grade book that's just beautiful, just amazing um, imaginative book um, and and Ember the Ashes by Sabah Tahir which is the second in a series a fantasy series which I just love it's really bloody and epic and just fantastic well this is your second YA novel what is it about that age group that you really enjoy writing for um, you know I think uh, teenagers are, are naturally philosophical because of their age, right? So they're trying to figure out their place in the world, you know, the meaning of life. How do you fit into the world? And I'm like that anyway. So I'm like, you know, very, very philosophical. I 
you know, I read philosophy books and listen to these things. Um, so I think it's a natural fit, right? Because I, you know, it's a privilege to write for people who are asking questions still, right? Because I want to be a part of the conversation. I want to say, hey, look at this point of view here and look at this other point of view here. And like, here are these things to consider as you, you know, become in the world and, and you decide who you want to be in the world. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a temperamental fit, honestly. Like, I'm philosophical and teenagers are by definition, you know, philosophical. They really are trying to figure stuff out. Um, so it's quite a privilege to write for them, I think. Well, Nicola, thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. This was really, really fun. Thanks for having me. Please go to our website, readmorepodcast.com, to find out how you can win a free signed copy of The Sun is Also a Star. You can also follow us on Twitter at Read More Podcast and like us on Facebook. Join us again in two weeks for another edition of the show that brings readers and writers together when our guest will be Jacqueline Woodson. Until then, I'm Marva Hinton, reminding you to read more. Thank you.